following is a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit AmarilloFellowship.com. Amen, amen. If you would, go ahead and take those buckets. Also, drop the connection cards in there. We appreciate you uh, filling those out each week and um, allowing us to kind of be able to pray over you. Um, we don't want to bug you or bother you. In fact, we'll give you a no-hassle guarantee. If we ever send you something and you don't want us to send you something, just tell us and we won't send you anything anymore. Uh, because we just, we just want to connect with you. We want to communicate with you, kind of keep you posted about what's going on and what's happening. Well, the ushers are picking those up, so let's go ahead and stand up. We're going to make some declarations over our life. We love to speak words of life. Amen. Man, doesn't it just feel good to speak words of life? Man, it really does. It, it, it doesn't feel good to speak the wrong words. You know, it feels like sometimes you think if I can zing that person, it'll feel good. And then you do it and you kind of go, ah, that really didn't feel that good. Right? Okay, <laughs> make sure. It doesn't bother y'all either. But, you know, really the heart of behind all that is, is just to continue to train ourselves to speak words of life. So let's make these declarations over our life. God is who he says he is. God will do what he says he will do. I am who God says I am. I can do all things through Christ. God's word is truth. God's word is alive and active in me. And now because of what Christ has done, I'm highly favored, greatly blessed, and deeply loved. Amen? Amen. You may be seated today. If you have your Bibles, turn with me to Hebrews chapter 1, verse 1. Hebrews, that book of the Bible that reminds us that men are supposed to make coffee in the morning. My wife loves that joke. I like to just say it every time now because I know she loves it so much. In fact, she'll grab me at the end of the service and go, Honey, please don't say that joke anymore. We're in a series called One Thing. And what we are are really trying to discover is the answer to this question. What is the one thing in your life that by doing it, everything else in your life would either be easier or unnecessary? You know, and I've been sharing this over the last couple of weeks. That's a, a, a question out of a book by Gary Keller called The One Thing. And, and what it's designed to do is to help you understand that you have a one thing. You know, there's, there's one, something that I believe that is, that I'm pretty passionate about that all of us have as our one thing as followers of Jesus Christ, and that is to have an intimate, connected relationship with God. That's what God desires for us is to have that one thing where he's in that position in our lives, that f we're focusing on a personal relationship with God and making sure that that relationship is the priority of our life. Now, it's not the only priority in our life, but it is the priority of our life that when we start first with God being our one thing, everything else in our life starts to work out. And so I want to encourage you just to continue to recognize that one thing. And, and in fact, today you're in luck because today is step three of our growth track where we can actually help you understand your one thing within the body of Jesus Christ. That you can understand what you're wired to do, the way that God's designed you, the way that God's created you. And when you are doing that thing, you're going to find fulfillment in life. You're going to find contentment because you are wired to do it. Sometimes we think that we're, there's something wrong with us because we were different than other people in our family. And we were told, you know, what's wrong with you? Why do you think that way? Why do you act that way? And, and when we begin to understand that people are wired differently, people think differently, people are gifted differently, people have different talents, different callings, we can begin, instead of being angry with differences, we can begin to value differences. 
And we can grow because we value differences. When you recognize there's pe- things that people have that you need, it helps you. You know, my wife is probably one of the most relational people I know. My wife is a party waiting to happen. Everywhere she goes, she's always having fun, talking, talking, talking. I'm, a, I'm actually, believe it or not, actually quite shy. And my personal preference would be to come into a service like many of you do and find my seat and camp there and hope nobody comes and talks to me. <laughs> Y'all know who you are today. But my wife has brought out of me the ability to walk around and shake your hand. And though I sometimes feel very awkward in doing it, I'm I'm learning to connect with many of you, learning to understand who you are and getting to know you. And so when we value differences, we grow. And so I pray that if you haven't decided yet to go through the growth track, that this would be the Sunday that you would start. You can start right on step three. You don't have to start at step one. And in fact, today is the the most enjoyable one. Uh, So I want to really encourage you to be a part of that. So we've taken the last couple of weeks because of the issue of, of, again, I think the one thing as followers of Jesus Christ is about a connection and, and communion with God. We've, we've taken the last couple of weeks to talk about the issue of prayer and, and connecting with God through prayer, prayer, that Jesus gave us this wonderful template in the Lord's Prayer of learning how to pray prayers that affect us and affect our world, that they bring positive change into our lives and into our world. So the Lord's Prayer is not designed to be this rote thing that we just say and we kind of go mechanically through it. It's designed to give us an outline about praying our Father which art in heaven, beginning with that understanding that he's a Father that loves us, hallowed be thy name, that honored and revered be your name. God, I'm inviting you into my life to let my life become different because I'm inviting you into my life. Let your kingdom come. God, I want your will to be done, not my will to be done. Now, that's hard for us sometimes, and if we're not praying that consistently, we continually want our will to be done rather than God's will to be done. But when we kind of recalibrate our life and say, God, let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth just as it's being done in heaven, we can begin to understand, first of all, we want to get ourselves in alignment with God because he has good plans for us. In in heaven, there's good things happening today. In heaven, the Cowboys beat the Packers today, 45 to nothing. It's heaven, right? So as the kingdom coming on earth, some of our lost, you're not going to be with me for the rest of it. He's a cowboy fan, right? Um, when we're praying that, we're, we're saying, God, that the way things are happening in heaven, we want those things happening in our life. So give us this day our daily bread. God, we're, we're looking for you to be the source of life. Yes, we're going to go work. And God, you've placed talents in us. You've given us a job. You've given us intelligence. How many of you know that you're incredibly intelligent? Can I get you to raise your hand up today? About a third of you know that you're intelligent. The rest of you, I'll just go ahead and tell you you're intelligent. God's given you some intelligence to do some things, to walk out some things. And so when you, you're doing that, you're recognizing though still in all of that, he's your source. And when you recognize he's your source, you're reminded of that all the time. Meaning when something goes wrong in my house, I have to say, God, you're my source. This is your house. So how are we going to fix this? You're going to show me. Now, I still have to go do something. I don't sit around and let the roof leak or let things happen. I go work on those things. But I know that God is my source. And I say, forgive us to stay our daily bread. I'm walking in that constant revelation of understanding that forgiveness is something I daily receive. It's already, I've already been forgiven. But sometimes I need to forgive myself. Right? You ever disappoint yourself thinking I'm never going to get past this? Here I am three years later and I'm still on this issue and can't seem to get over it. Sometimes you just forgive yourself. You start moving on past it. It's going to empower you to be able to forgive others. 
When you understand how perfectly God's forgiven you, it empowers you to forgive others. And then lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. You begin to understand that God is actually watching over you as your child. So it gave us this template so that we could communicate with God. And so that's how we talk and communicate with God. But the question that I want to talk about today is, how does God talk and communicate with us? Well, there's lots of ways that he does that. One of the ways that he does it is through our conscience. He's written things upon our conscience. He, he speaks to us with a still, small voice. Suddenly, you just begin to hear something, and God begins to drop something in your spirit, and you're going, wow, that's amazing. But the most important way that he speaks to us is through his word. In fact, I, I hear Christians from time to time tell me that, that God has told them something, and it, and it contradicts the word of God. I, I don't have any problem knowing that they're not actually hearing from God. They're, they're hearing the wrong voice. And, and so the word of God has to become the template for our lives. It's the most important way that God speaks to us. So today I'd like to talk about God's word. I'd like to talk about the Bible and talk about hearing God through his word. There's, there's something that I love about the beginning of a new year. I mean, it's kind of like a, a do-over, a fresh start. I, I love the thought that today is the first day of the rest of your life. It's amazing to understand because if we really do understand that, we can recognize if we've been operating incorrectly, we've had some bad habits, we can recognize today's the day that things can start being, being turned around in my life. Today's the day that I can begin afresh and anew today. And so I love that thought. And wouldn't it be incredible if in 2017 you began to hear God's voice or you began to hear God's voice at a whole nother level? It'd be incredible. You see, the Word of God is designed to bring into our lives life transformation. We, we've taken the Word of God and made it about behavior modification. Here's a checklist. Are, are you doing these things? Yes, yes, <laughs> no, no, right? We, we made it a checklist because we made it about behavior modification. But the Word of God is designed to bring life transformation, that when the word of God gets in the inside of us, it changes everything about us. In fact, Romans 12, stay there in Hebrews, but Romans 12 says this. Do not conform to the pattern of this world. How many of you recognize there's a pattern in the world that contradicts the pattern of God? It, it contradicts the pattern of, of what God's plan and purpose is. In fact, if you just look at the issue of, of forgiveness, there are a lot of people that were raised in an environment of unforgiveness. Either your parents were unforgiving, you were taught that, you know, they've done us wrong, we, don't, we aren't forgiving those people. And what happens is when we are unforgiving, it doesn't actually damage them, it actually damages us. And so what God wants us to learn how to do is just forgive, just walk constantly, forgive, 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 forgive. Walk in this mindset of forgiveness. And it happens when we're not conforming to the pattern of this world, but we're being transformed by the renewing of our mind. The word of God is changing the way that we believe. We used to believe this, now we're believing what the Word of God says. Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is. How many of you want God's will in your life instead of your will? His good, pleasing, and perfect will. Now, the way I was raised is that was a progression in my life. That I began to try to do the will of God, and it started out I was doing good. You know, as I did it good for a while, I got gooder, right? Just kidding. Got, got a little bit better. That I eventually made it to pleasing, you know, if I, if I worked on being good at the will of God, I made it to pleasing, and, and the real goal was to be perfect in the will of God. That's actually not what God is saying. What God is saying about his will is that his will is good. His will is good for you. 
His will is good for your soul. It's good for your relationships. It's good for others. When you're walking in the will of God, it's good for other people. When you go into work and everyone else is an angry, disgruntled employee, and you're, you're being the man of God or the woman of God that God called you to be to honor the authority that you're under at that moment, can I tell you, it's good for you. You're going to find promotion coming your way. Even though other people are going to sit around and gripe at you, you're going to find promotion. It's good. It's also pleasing. Meaning that it's pleasing to you. When you get in the will, will of God, things become pleasing in your life. It doesn't mean that you don't have to die to the flesh. The flesh that wants to operate contrary to the word of God. But it becomes pleasing when you find fulfillment and contentment and purpose inside of the will of God. And eventually it's the perfect will of God. Not meaning you get it perfect all the time. But that word perfect in the Greek actually means complete. Complete. That God wants you and I walking in wholeness and in fullness of all that he has for us. I say this a lot, but as children of God, we live way beneath our privileges as children of God. That we think Christianity is kind of get in and just get saved and then try to abide and hold on until Jesus comes. And God's saying, no, no, I've come that you might have life and have life more abundantly. I've come for you to have life to the full. So what do I want to do? I want to learn to get in the will of God. I don't want to be conformed to the pattern of this world anymore. I want to be transformed by the renewing of my mind. How does that happen? The word of God continually washing over my mind. I start living my life according to the word of God, not according to pop culture. So today I want to talk about what the Bible is all about. And some of you, you were like me, you grew up around the Bible. In fact, I don't ever remember a time in my life where there not being a Bible around. We had those big old, you know, 27-pound Bibles that sat on our coffee table growing up. You know what I mean? Those big old tables. And, and, and I always grew, grew up hearing stories from the Bible. In fact, I, I went to church all the time because my parents had a drug problem. They drug me to church on Sunday morning. They drug me to church on Sunday night. They drug me to church on Wednesday night. They drug me to church on Saturday for prayer meetings. Man, we showed up in church all the time. Listen, I went to church when I was sick. I grew up in Iowa. We would go to church when there was a foot of snow out there. There would be times, when, I kind of grew up a little poor, there were times when our cars would break down and we'd only have a pickup. And just so you know, I'm not talking about a dual, uh, a, a two-seat two pickup. I'm talking about a one-seat bench pickup. There are six kids in my family, and there would be anywhere from eight to 12 people piled into the front uh, cab of a truck going to church on Sunday. Because bless God, we were going to church. And moms and dads, just so you know, your kids are not going to die if you drug them to church also. In fact, they're going to be exposed to what God is all about. They're going to be exposed to the goodness of God, and it's going to get inside of them. That's why the Word of God says, train up a child in the way that he should go. When he's old, he won't depart from it, because they're going to understand the principles. They may not be walking it out right now, but I'm telling you, you keep making those deposits in their life. So I heard Bible stories all my life growing up. In fact, we were pretty high-tech back then. In fact, some of you are going to remember this. We had a thing called flannel boards. Y'all remember those? It was this flat flannel board, and there would be these little paper um, characters that they would put on the thing. And like the two disciples, you know, they would be going to the temple. And so they'd go like this, and they'd be, both be facing this way. And then they'd stop, and they'd have a conversation with each other. But one of them was faced this way, so it was, didn't ever quite always work out. But there would be that we just sit in awe, I mean, honestly, of this, wow, Moses, you know, uh, all these amazing stories that you'd begin to hear. And then finally, though, the Bible made it into the electronic age. It made it to the LP. Some of you don't know what that means. That's the long play record, a 33, the vinyl, 
Y'all know what I'm talking about? Some of you are like, what on earth? Some of you don't even know what a CD is. But anyway, it was these, <laughs> these vinyl records. And there would be these stories in the Bible. And people would act on them. And people would sing and, and different things. And in fact, I was telling Pam this morning I was driving her nuts. Because there was a song that I remember way back then that I still remember today. Samson had blown it. Revealed to Delilah, that woman. He'd revealed to Delilah about cutting his hair. So she cut his hair. So he disobeyed the Lord. And the song went like this. Samson, Samson, disobey the Lord. I was thinking, oh my goodness. I don't want to be Samson. I don't want to disobey the Lord. So I made it into this electronic age and it was amazing. And so from my earliest child, I can't ever remember there being a time when I wasn't hearing Bible stories. I'm so fortunate to be raised in a, in a family where my, my mom and dad, they, again, made us to go to church. They taught us the Word of God. And so because of that, I have an incredible understanding of what the Bible is all about. It's just part of my culture growing up. And, and I know some of you, your childhood wasn't like that. Maybe the environment that has defined your life wasn't like that. Maybe your family was the CEO Christians, meaning you went to church on Christmas and Easter only, Right? And so you know kind of the basic story of Jesus. You know that he was born as a baby, and you know that he died on a cross, but you don't really know any of the stories and principles in between. You don't really understand and know how those things apply to your life. Others of you, you weren't raised in a Judeo-Christian upbringing, and, and you weren't ever raised in church. And so you really don't have an understanding of really anything about the Bible. And when you look at the stories of your life, you're, you're recognizing that none of the stories that are in your life actually resemble in any way the stories of the Bible. And you're wondering, what's the Bible all about? What do, you, what do you actually do with the Bible? Well, today, fortunately, the Bible is a lot easier to understand than, than it was, has ever been. In fact, most of you know that there are several translations and paraphrases of the Bible. But years ago, we only had the King James Version. In fact, there were some people that when the, the New International, the NIV version came out, they were pretty angry about that. In fact, they would call the NIV New International version the nearly inspired version. They were mad about the fact that there was somebody that had taken away the Bible, the, 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 the way the disciples talk, somebody else is talking differently now. Just so you know, the Bible was written in King James a long time after they had lived. And so they, they were... They were some of them were, were incredibly frustrated about this, but it was hard to read. To read the King James Version, is, to me, is incredibly difficult. In fact, if you still read the King, King James Version, you know, God bless you. But honestly, it's like um, William Shakespeare meeting Jesus and them coming out with a book together. And you're kind of, oh, Romeo, Romeo, wherefore art thou in the word of God? Just a, just a little hard to find. But if you're like most people, when you came to know Christ... Most people were told, go to the book of John. In fact, how many of you today, that's the book that you were told to go to when you gave your life to Christ? Somebody pointed you to John. Most people are. And the book of John is the book that we base our 21-day devotional out of because John, the book of John is the book that is the most poetic. It is. And in fact, some, some people look at the scriptures and when they look at the word of God, they see it really only as theology. Or they see it only as history. But really, the Word of God is more like poetry because it speaks the language of the soul. It's, it's not trying to give us, the Word of God is not trying to give us an understanding of all things God. 
So if you're reading the word of God just so you can understand completely who God is, let me just save you the trouble because he's God and we're not. He's an infinite being, we're a finite being. And so what God's heart's desire is, is to bring us into the story of God and for us to understand that our story, individually and collectively, is connected to the story of God. Because what the scriptures are really taking us into is this understanding that God speaks. You know, some of you were raised and taught that God stopped speaking, but God still speaks today. And God designed and created you and I to live in such intimate communion with him that a conversation with God is is supposed to be the natural order of things. When you pray, it's not supposed to be this very uncomfortable thing. It's literally supposed to be the natural order of things. So when you're about ready to have a conversation with a family member that it's a little jugular, and you know that what you're about ready to talk with them about is not a subject that, that they want to talk about or possibly you even want to talk about. You can take a moment right before you do that and say, Lord, I thank you that you're going to be with me. I thank you today that I have the mind of Christ. And I thank you, Father, that your love dwells in me, so I'm going to let that love be poured out to this person. It's just a part of the process of our conversations as we're going. It's just the natural order of what's happening. Because what religion has done is made a connection with God about this thing you do early in the morning and then you kind of shove that off to the side and you hope that guides you well enough through the day. Or it's about showing up to church on Sunday so that you can kind of get the God thing out of the way and now let's go live our real life when God's saying, look, I want to be involved in all of your life. I want to take your business and I want to bless your business. I I want you to be comfortable in understanding that I'm wanting to connect with you. I want to have communion with you so if you have your bibles in hebrews chapter 1 verse 1 it says in the past god spoke to our forefathers now just listen to those words again in the past god spoke and and sometimes we we read things or we hear things and we just kind of glaze over things and i think we need to really connect with this to understand how extraordinary this actually is That God, the God that's big enough to create the universe in which you and I live in is intimate enough to have a personal one-on-one relationship with you and I. That in the past, God spoke, which, which helps us understand the reason why we would even consider that there's such a book that is the vehicle which God wants to com- communicate with us because it's the framework is around that God wants to have a conversation with you and I. We, we get this as our kids get older, moms and dads. You know, when our kids are small, I was Captain America. I was. I mean, they, man, they love to talk with me. And I've got great kids, by the way, so I don't want to make them feel bad. But they're busy now. And sometimes as they're coming and going, I'm like, hey, Christian, you, you want to talk? Okay. Richie, hey, you, you want to spend a little time together? God wants to have a conversation with us. He wants to stop, but sometimes we get so busy even doing the things of God that we forget about having a conversation with God. I'm not exempt from this. In fact, it's probably as challenging for me as it is for you because as a pastor, I can be doing the things of God and not be connected with God. God wants us to connect with him. He wants us to have an intimate and personal relationship with him. So it creates the word of God, gives us this understanding that God actually wants to speak to us. Again, verse 1. In the past, God spoke to our forefathers through the prophets at many times and in various ways. In other words, God has made it incredibly clear that he's being creative, intentional, and determined to have a conversation with us. 
But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and through whom he made the universe. Verse 3, the son, again talking about Jesus, is the radiance of God's glory. He's the expression of God's glory and the exact representation of his being, sustaining all things, catch this, by his powerful word. Can you see how powerful God's word is? It is sustaining all things by his powerful word. And what the writer of Hebrews is telling us is that God is always speaking. He's always speaking. Some of you go, man, I haven't heard from God for a long time. I want you to know that God has never stopped speaking to you. Sometimes we are so distracted, the dial's not lined up quite right, but God is always speaking. He speaks to us again through our conscience. You're about ready to say the wrong thing, and God says, uh, don't say that. He speaks through us through a still, small voice, and suddenly we step out in faith, and something happens supernatural. He speaks to us through creation. You can't get out in, in the world in which you and I live in and not know that there's a God. You can't see a baby being born and not know there's a God. Speaks to us through creation. God is looking to engage us in a conversation. He's helping us understand that Jesus is the radiance of God's glory. The exact representation of his being. He's sustaining all things by his powerful word. See, there's this relationship with the word and the the words and the story of God with life. See, if you... For us to even consider that God is trying to speak to us through the Bible, you have to embrace the reality that God speaks to you. You've got to believe that and receive that by faith, that God speaks to you. He's trying to get your attention through every way possible. He is trying to get you to hear his voice that will bring life into your life. Where there's been death in some areas, he wants life in those areas. Because if the scriptures are telling us that God is speaking, it's also telling us that through his word is where we find life. We keep looking for it in all the wrong places, but it's found in the word of God. And understand that when you read the Bible, it can be a little challenging. Sometimes as you're reading the word of God, it's, it's like, what? What was that? I just got done reading through the, the book of Ecclesiastes. And, and if there was anyone who ever needed Prozac, it was Solomon when he wrote Ecclesiastes. I'm serious. It, it was honestly got so depressing. Meaningless, meaningless. Everything's meaningless. You can do this, but it's meaningless. I thought, Jack, the bear, what is wrong with you, Solomon? And sometimes it's challenging to read the word of God. But listen, if you'll start in the book of John, and you'll read through the book of John, and you'll read the story of Jesus, you're going to find yourself being swept into his story. Because it's not so much about the story on the pages of the book. It's more about the story that God is writing in your life. Because God is telling a a story, us the story of us. He's talking about the story of us, that we're all a part of this story. Every one of us are a part of the story. That we are the recipients of a story that is being told. And at the same time, we are telling the story of ourselves. I want to ask you to kind of follow with me as I go through this next section because I want you to wrap your mind around this to understand that when you were born you're like a canvas and a story is being written on your life and you are writing on the canvas of your life for some of you your story began beautiful you had two parents that loved you dearly they adored you they thought that you were the most beautiful baby who had ever been created honestly some of us know that's not true right I've seen some of y'all baby pictures on Facebook I'm just kidding 
But that's what the environment that you grew up in. For some of you, your, your story began beautiful, and you were loved, and you were valued, and you were affirmed. And, and at first, you're, you're a canvas, and you, so your story's being written on your life, but eventually you pick up the pen, and you start writing the story on the canvas of your life. And it's, it's amazing. In fact, ironically, two people can have had the same experience growing up. You were raised in a healthy environment with people who loved you. But when, and when you began to write your story, you could write it very differently. Some of you, you took the pen and you wrote the word gratitude. You'd received so much, so you wanted to be generous and give your life away to others. You saw your life as a gift to you, and you wanted to be a gift to others. So when you began writing your story, you wrote the word gratitude into the hearts of others, and you impacted and changed people's lives. But strangely, there were others of you that had great parents, had a great family. You were raised in a loving and nurturing environment. And when you picked up the pen of your life, you wrote, I'm amazing. I love me. And the words that you wrote down below there were narcissism and self-indulgent and self-focus. And when you received more, you just wanted more. And what you wrote instead of generosity was greed. And what... You began to write on your life, strangely enough, was not a beautiful tale, but life that became a tragedy. There were still others of you that when your story began, it was a tragic beginning. You were the product of a very unhealthy environment. Things weren't well in your home. Maybe you knew your father and mother, but you really wished that you didn't because it didn't seem like they really wanted you around. Maybe the early chapters of your life were written and they were incredibly painful. They were filled with emptiness and loneliness and despair. And when you picked up the pen to write on your life, you knew that you were faced with a choice. You were faced with a choice of what you were going to write on your life. And for some of you, you picked up the pen and you began to write with a force of anger and frustration because you didn't feel when others had written their story on your soul that they had written it with a pen, but they had written it with a knife. And so when you began writing the story of yourself, you were writing a story of bitterness and anger, violence and jealousy and envy. But strangely enough, there were others of you who experienced the same amount of pain. And even though your story did not begin well, when you picked up the pen, you decided to write a different story. You wrote a story of forgiveness and resilience. You wrote a story of how your pains and wounds birthed in you compassion and empathy. Because we all begin with a blank canvas in our life. And the story of all of those that are around us becomes our story. But eventually we take up the pen and we begin to write the story of our lives. And when, as we do, we begin to write on the canvas of other people's lives also. Are you all tracking with me what I'm saying? Let me tell you why the Bible is so important. Because the Bible contains the story of God with us. That God so loved the world, God so loved you, God so loved me, that he sent Jesus to this world to be the story of us. That God wanted to include us in the story of, of us with him. The story God desires to be written is when you and I begin to allow the Bible to shape you and I. We allow the word of God to form us and inform us. We don't see it as a legalistic book of rules and regulations, but we allow the Word of God to design and transform our lives. That's when you begin to realize that you're a part of a much bigger story, something that is profound and extraordinary, that your life matters today. 
Whether you realize it or not, you're writing on the canvas of other people's life all the time. You're writing on your life all the time. You're part of a story that began with God and he wants to write his words of life on your life so that the life of God flows out of you and I and we write life on the canvas of other people's lives. That's why the word of God is so important and why it's so extraordinary. You see, I'm not doing this message today so that you'll kind of discipline yourself to go, okay, I'm gonna do it. I'm gonna start spending time reading the Bible. We're not doing this series one thing just for you to to be legalistically praying. We're doing it for you to begin to have such intimate communion with God that a conversation with God becomes like breathing to you. That you become so aware of what the Word of God says about you, your situation, your destiny, and your purpose that any time circumstances or the enemy starts whispering in your ear something different, you don't roll over and go, okay, I guess I'm just doomed for despair. You stand up and you say, that's not what the word of God says about me. The word of God says I'm the head and not the tail. That I'm above and not beneath. That I'm blessed in the city, that I'm blessed in the country. That I'm more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus today. And you stand up on the word of God and it literally becomes like breathing. That as I said earlier, you don't have to wait until your life is falling apart to go, okay God, help me to understand your promises. You already know because you have an intimate connection with God. That rather than living with the less than what the enemy wants in your life, you begin living with the more than that God has for you. See, God blessing you and I is not about you and I. It's about his goodness. And when you begin to understand and and mentally become aware because you've spent so much time in the word of God that it's created the framework for your life, you begin to write on your life, I'm blessed, I'm favored, I'm healed, I am prosperous, I am more than a conqueror through Christ Jesus. Not only do you write it on your life, but you begin writing it on other people's life too. You're blessed, you're healed, you're more than a conqueror. It's about life. God's desire to bring life. He wants us to, again, be in such a relationship with him that communion with him is like breathing. Because when God speaks to you and I, his words are life. And if you'll allow him, he'll begin to bring you into a story so extraordinary that you will find significance and purpose. It's one of the reasons why I, as your pastor, am constantly encouraging you to go through the growth track encouraging you to discover your purpose plan design pastor richie i already know it listen if you know it then come share it with us and get plugged in and make a difference get involved because i'm telling you the the greatest place that you're going to find significance is when you're allowing other people to write on your life you're allowing other people to speak into your life and you're able to write on other people's life telling them this is who you are mighty man of god this is who you are mighty woman of god See, the problem is, is we get t- intimidated by the enemy all the time. Yeah. Pastor Bob, many of you don't know him, but some of you do. He's my spiritual father. He, when he first started coming and speaking here at this church, one of the things he would tell me all the time is, Richie, you're a mighty man of God. And I would go, is he talking about another Richie? Because I knew what I'd done all week long. Can I be honest with you today? I haven't been lying up till now, just so you know, but I'll be real honest with you. Call me a mighty man of God when I did not feel like a mighty man of God. But he was declaring what he knew to be inside of me. And it wasn't until I began, because he was writing on the canvas of my life, mighty man of God, that I began to speak that, that now empowers me to speak it over other people. For every one of you here today, I want you to know you're a mighty man and a mighty woman of God. 
I don't care what your circumstances say. I don't care what your past says. You're a mighty man and a mighty woman of God. And God wants you to walk in the fullness of what he has for you today. So if you allow me to pastor, get into the growth track. Get involved. Get plugged in. Make a difference in people's lives. Because what you're going to find is that my story is connected to your story. And your story is connected to my story. And all of our stories are connected to each other and it's connected to God. And if we'll take the time just to quiet ourselves, sit down and read the word of God, you've got to know that God's speaking to you. And he's speaking life. And he's telling you, I love you today. You're awesome. You're amazing. And what's going to begin to happen is you're going to start believing what the word of God says. And what that believing is going to cause in you is you're going to be receiving what God has for you. And things are going to change. Let me give you an example as I close today. Can I get Colin to come on up? One of the biggest challenges people have in trying to understand the righteousness of God and understanding conquering is they know where they're at. You you know the fact that you missed the mark. You know, my kids played sports growing up and they lost some of the games that they played. Can I tell you, I never told them they were a loser. They lost, but they weren't a loser. They were a winner. Now, I'm not all for everyone getting a trophy just because you participated, okay? I'm not saying that. But I knew that my kids were winners, so I spoke the fact that they're a winner all the time. And can I tell you today, my kids are winners because I spoke it over their life. And some of you just need to know that God's speaking that over your life, that he thinks you're a winner, that you're more than a conqueror. Yes, you might not conquer all the time. Yes, you might miss the mark occasionally, but you have to know that you are more than what the word of God says to you. That God says to you that you are the head and not the tail. That you are above and not beneath. Well, Pastor Richie, I'm just under the circumstances. Get out from under the circumstances. I'm telling you, you just have to simply believe and receive. And I'm telling you, when we're going to believe it, we're going to receive it. And I'm telling you, it's going to change our life. It's going to change your family. It's going to change your extended family. It's going to change your work environment. It's going to change Amarillo. It's going to change Texas. It's going to change the United States. If there's a group of people that are willing to stand up and say, I want to make a difference in the world. God, and I'm going to do that by being connected with you. Twelve men turned the world upside down for Jesus. I'm telling you, with the 200 people, 250 people that are here just in this service alone, I'm telling you, we can turn the world upside down. We've got to believe and we've got to receive God's promises for us. I'm going to ask you just to bow your head. Bow your head and close your eyes. This has been a presentation of Amarillo Fellowship, a community dedicated to spreading the love and hope of Christ. For more information and other podcasts, visit amarillofellowship.com.